Good evening, church. Great to see you all tonight coming out on a uh, pretty cold night, isn't it, out there, Rob? Blissful. 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 Well, we're going to get to know you in a sec, uh, and uh, we're excited to be able to hear from you. If I haven't met you before, I'm Mark, and uh, we every now and then uh, get someone up and we tell stories as much as we love opening God's Word and hearing from a pastor or someone uh, preaching God's Word, we know within our church community that we have uh, stories and testimonies of God's goodness, of His faithfulness. And uh, this man uh, has a story and we're going to hear uh, from Rob tell his story uh, tonight. And we did that this morning. It was a great encouragement. And I've got the privilege of being able to catch up with Rob pretty regularly. I get to speak to Rob pretty regularly. He's become a, a, a great friend and someone that I really uh, admire and, uh, and am encouraged by. And even during the week, I was catching up with Rob and his wife was there, Connie, who's, who's awesome. And uh, Connie's like, oh, Rob, you know, he's so positive. Even if you burn his toast, he's... he's his gratitude is like, oh, this is magnificent piece of toast. And I'm just thinking, man, I've got my two sons here to this, um, tonight and that is something that we need to, at our house, um, that kind of gratitude. And I, I was so encouraged hearing Rob talk about that and I was like, and a little bit convicted because I know that doesn't happen much at our place. And even for myself, I was like, I've got to have more gratitude and thankfulness for uh, th- situations that maybe don't work out. And uh, I know my wife on Thursday night, she headed off to the women's night and she said, oh, Mark, just if you get a chance, uh, we're trying to put the kids to bed and cleaning up dinner and everything. Can you grab the washing out of the washing machine? There's not much. It'll only take a couple of minutes. I was like, yeah, no worries. I'll see how I go. And I finally got to it and I opened up that washing machine and there was tissue all over the place. And in my head, I was like, how would Rob respond to this situation? And uh, I uh, did respond with gratitude, even in that moment, uh, which wasn't easy. But uh, I'm really thankful for our friendship and, uh, and who you are, Rob. But we're going to hear your story tonight because you weren't uh, always that thankful. And God's faithfulness for you is, has been a journey. And uh, we'd love for you to be able to share that story because for a lot of those who who know you, um, we would say, oh, this friendly Rob, that's, you know, up and about Rob, someone who's always there for the handshake and the big smile, wheelchair Rob, but you weren't always that way. You grew up in country Victoria and I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your upbringing and uh, your early life. Yes, uh, my name is Rob McNish and uh, I have lived in Geelong for quite a while now, but growing up I lived in a little town called Sananad and we lived there, but uh, I had a, a wonderful mother and unfortunately my father was killed in a car accident when I was 18 months old and my mum was left with just a pound note and five children and nowhere to go and we ended up going and living with my grandmother and living at uh, my grandmother's place was a boarder and his name was Gordon Harold McNish. And he was a, a great guy. Apparently we'd known him ever since I was born. And he had a, an eye for mum. He'd always thought that she was pretty gorgeous. And uh, to cut a long story short, six months later they got married 
and then shortly after that I had twin sisters and then a year later another sister and then a, a couple of years later another brother. So I come from nine children all together. Yeah, Mum always used to say they didn't have TV back in those days. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I moved to Echuca when I was about 13 years of age and I went through the tech school and found that I had an ability to pull things apart and put them back together and I became a motor mechanic at Ford Garage. But my passion was motorbikes and I absolutely loved Motorbikes. I couldn't have a conversation without talking about a motorbike. And two that, wheels. Two wheels, don't they have? Motorbikes usually have two wheels. Yeah, two wheels, but that's me going along on the back wheel. Uh, my hero back in that day, I don't know if you've ever heard of Evil Knievel. Ever heard of Evil Knievel? Well, back in the day, he used to drump, jump trucks and that. And Well, I had a nickname because I, I bought this motorbike and I put all stars down the side of it and I had a helmet with all stars and I had the nickname there for a while, Evil Kanish. Yeah. And I used to be able to do a good mono and I'd go up and down the main street and show off and do all sorts of things. And uh, I was putting new motorbikes together one night and as I was there, I was working with a fellow called Ron Spencer and all of a sudden, uh, across the airways, there was an old wireless. You guys called it a, a radio, but they used to have valves in them. And when you'd try and tune it in, it would... And Ron was tuning it in. And then all of a sudden, across the airways, came the words, back to the Bible, back to the Bible, back to the things of the Lord. And I said to Ron, turn that garbage off and put a little bit of music in the place. And Ron said that he'd like to listen to it. And I said to Ron, you're a little bit religious, are you? And he proceeded to tell me how he was a Christian and how he trusted Jesus as his saviour. And the boss at the motorbike shop, he was a Christian too. And I could see that they had something that I didn't have. They had a joy and a peace. And it was very attractive, the joy and the peace that they had. They didn't, uh, they didn't react like at the Ford garage where I used to work. They didn't swear when something went wrong or anything. They were just, just different, like people I'd never ever met before. And they wanted me to come to church. So they uh, kept at me and at me, Rob, come to church. So I went to church and at the church, the pastor said, those who want to trust Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, would they raise their hand? And I thought, well, I'd love some of this joy that what they've got, what, what the, they're going through. And so uh, I went out the back and I prayed a prayer and I was expecting all of a sudden a big clap of lightning or something to change inside me. And, uh, but there was nothing. And I thought, well... Mm, that didn't work. It must work for some and not for others. And the next day I was talking to a guy called Neil Schroeder and I said, Neil, I tried it but it just didn't work. And he said, did you mean it? And I said, yeah, I, I think I meant it. And, uh, and time passed and I uh, started working at a motorbike shop in Kyabram. 
And at Kyabram there, I bought a big 750 Honda back in the day, and it used to go like a cut cat. It would do over 120 miles an hour. Now, just prior to going to Kyabram, I was doing a monowheel down the main street of Echuca, and one of the policemen saw me, and he went like that as I was going along on the back wheel, and uh, I just put it down and just took off. Well, the next day he saw me and he was on his, in his little mini minor going uh, home and I, he was b behind me and uh, he pulled me over and I sort of got framed for speeding. And then I thought to myself, next time that happens, I'm not going to stop. And so I'd lent my motorbike, my 750 Honda, to a friend for the weekend and I went back and I picked up the bike and I started heading out the highway. Next minute I hear and I thought, man, alive. So I dropped it down a gear and there was a big police chase. And they chased me for miles and miles and miles. And then all of a sudden something started to happen. My friend didn't put any petrol in the bike. And so I pulled into the farmhouse and there, a guy was at the door and I knew him and I said, look, you don't know me. So the police pulled in and he said, did you know I've been chasing you for the past 10 mile? And I, and I sort of played dumb and he asked my name and address. So I made up a name and gave him a name and a false na address. And then a few days later, they saw me again. And then there was another big police chase and it went for miles and miles and miles and I got clean away from them. Now this hit the papers that they were after some guy on a motorbike and uh, the police were asking if anybody knew about it and I was working at, a, at the motorbike shop and the only person I told was a, a couple of the apprentices at the motorbike shop and Wayne uh, went up to the cop shop to get his uh, motorbike licence. So Wayne comes back and says, I hate to tell you this, Rob, but they want you at the police station with your bike and your helmet. So I went up to the police station and immediately I went in there and they said, you, in here. So I went in and I just lied my head off. And I said, no, nah, look, you're mistaken. You've got me confused because I saw you in the motorbike shop, which I didn't, I just lied. And then the boss rang up from work and wanted to know what was happening. So they let me go back. And we used to close up uh, for, for lunch. And I was just sitting on the grass. And then all of a sudden, it was like the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I became under the conviction of sin like I had, I had never, ever done before. Before, I had no conscience. I could do anything, but I'd heard the gospel I'd heard how Jesus had died on the cross for our sins. I'd heard that Jesus was the only way and that he was the truth and the life, but I just didn't grasp it. I, was, I, was, uh, I had, didn't have the ears to hear. And so I was there and I said, oh God, I'm in so much trouble. I didn't know whether to just get on my bike and just take off and so I just bowed my head and said, oh God, I'm in such a mess. 
And I thought to myself, how did I get here? And so after praying the prayer, I thought, well, I've been up at the police station all morning and I went back to the police station and I said, yeah, it was me. And they, then they said, now, what about these other chases? Uh, was that you? If you own up to it now, we'll deal it all at, at, uh, at the one time. And I was petrified of going to jail because two of my best friends uh, had just been shipped off to Pentridge Prison. And I was just petrified of going, going there. And they said they'd deal with it all at once. So uh, ended up uh, going to church and my life just completely changed after that. I was, I was like a, a new creature. It was all things have passed away. You know, that verse, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. All things become new. And that's what I experienced. I was a new person on the inside. Some of those uh convictions I suppose uh, carried with you and you because you decided to leave Kyabram and uh, head down to Geelong you didn't have a license and uh, you did have to go to court but uh, I find it an interesting story uh, that who represented you in court that did a character witness uh, at at uh, the the pastor of the church came and the the policeman who actually chased me the first time I got to know him a bit and I was going to court and he uh, and I'd, I'd lost a heap of weight and everything because I was just so worried about going to prison and uh, he, he, he said, look, you've lost weight. And I said, yeah, I'm just frightened of going to Pantridge. And he said, don't worry about it. Uh, and then he got up and he, he said to the judge, I've really seen a change in Rob. And, uh, and so he... he and my boss and the pastor of the church, uh, they said, yeah, uh, Rob's a changed man. Yeah. So you did end up moving from country Victoria and you ended up uh, lobbying with your family here in Geelong. You obviously uh, had a few things hanging over your head and couldn't drive for a little while, um, but you were keen to go along to church. Just yeah. unpack that for yeah. us. Yeah, well, I was keen to go to church. Actually, I went to, I had to go to court four times. Uh, they said they'd deal with it all at once, but they didn't. So it was court case after court case. And then I, I fared pretty well uh, a year, losing my licence. And then the next one came and it was two and a half years losing my licence. And then I got up in court when he said two and a half years and I said, uh, he said that he would deal with it all at once and that was the same judge that had been there before and so he put it back to 12 months. But the senior sergeant, he didn't like me and so he put in an appeal so it went back to two and a half years. So, but then I put in another appeal, got the same judge again, a different judge and I put it back to 12 months, so. You need a net Netflix documentary on this, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> So you're down here in Geelong now, and your life's changed significantly, yep. and you've uh, you've obviously changed inside, and there's stuff going on in your life. Your sisters also come to faith, and you guys are looking for a church. Yep. So this is back in the 70s. 
It was back in 1974, so that's a long time ago. And uh, I'd heard about Aberdeen Street Baptist Church. So we went looking for Aberdeen Street Baptist Church, but we couldn't find Aberdeen Street. So on the way home, there was a sign Baptist Church. So we went and it was Nicholas Street Baptist Church, which is what One Hope Baptist Church used to be called many, many years ago. So we started going along there. So you're now in your 20s. You're engaged. Yep. Uh, three weeks uh, before your wedding day, uh, you jump on a motorbike and go for a ride with your mates. Yeah, I, I had three weeks to go before the wedding, just put a deposit on the house, thought I'd had everything going for me. I, I was doing shift work. I'd stopped being a motor mechanic and had gone out to Pilkington ACI and was working out there. So it was afternoon shift, so I was going to meet my fiancé for lunch and it was my last ride because I was going to... Uh, sell the motorbike to put the money towards the house. And so I headed down to Torquay where I met up with several other people on motorbikes and we hooned around a little bit and we stopped and uh, I looked at my watch and said, oh, it wasn't a watch, I had an alarm clock in my pocket and it said at 11.30 and, uh, and I was going to meet my fiance at 12 o'clock. So I said goodbye to them and I started the bike up. I did a little bit of a mono wheel just as I was going, just to show off a little bit. And one road went round to the left and one went straight. And I went belting up the road and I went straight over a cliff and landed on rocks. Uh, I went, was, went down and I was really badly injured. I was taken to the Austin Hospital. That's where they take people that have got spinal injuries. And I, uh, I woke up there. I had absolutely no memory. It was like, you know, when you're getting up in the morning, you think, oh, I've got to go to work or I've got to go to school. Uh, I, I woke up and I saw tubes in my arms, tubes in my neck. And, uh, and I, I just thought, what on earth is going on? And the doctor said, you've got six broken ribs. You've broken your back. Got punctured lungs, the severed an artery, and you'll never ever walk again. And that night, my parents were told that I wouldn't make it, that I'd be possibly dead by the morning, that there was nothing more that they could do for me. They had blood going in both legs, both arms, and the quicker it was going in, it was just pumping out my chest. And I made the papers, I made the front page of the Geelong Addy and the Sun newspaper. And it was last ride turned sour. So you've gone from uh, someone about to get married, uh, life was, was going pretty well. Uh, so what, what started happening inside? Like obviously your friendships and, and everything happening uh, to you, uh, went with work and everything. So what was going on? It was like I'd lost everything. I was confused. Uh, Physically, you'll probably notice now that this leg is jumping around. And in your body, would you, everyone just tap their leg? Now, what just happened in an instant like that, and who felt that? Did you feel it when you did that? 
Well, what happened? You sent a message and it went like that and it went straight up to your brain. And, and you felt it and you sent a message. Well, what happened to me? I broke my back completely in half and so there is no messages going down. So I've lost bowel control, bladder control, and so and I'm virtually dead from here down. Someone asks, what does that feel like? Have you ever been to the dentist and your face is all numb like that? Well, that's what it feels like uh, from here down. And uh, have you ever seen a chicken get its head chopped off and you let it go and it runs around by itself? You have? Yeah, well, that's what my legs are like, that you'll see them bouncing around and so that's why I'm... I'm grabbing it and it gets a little bit uncomfortable and you'll see me trying to grab it, but, but that's why I'm doing that. So you, you were obviously connected in church. Uh, the church at the time got around you and prayed yeah. and, and really you were asking for physical healing. Uh, just talk a little bit around that stage of your life as well. Yeah, well, the night after I had my accident, the pastor at the time, back in the 70s, was the Reverend Stuart Ray. And he and the elders came up to the Austin Hospital and I, I was delirious, I was so frightened, I was scared that I was going to die and I, I, I felt helpless and absolutely uh, hopeless. And they came and they prayed and then I, I had a, a peace about what was going on and they uh, they prayed that God would heal me and then when I got out of hospital I came and life just seemed so different all of a sudden I'm looking up to people instead of uh, instead of them uh, instead of me looking down everything had changed and it was really really hard to cope with and so uh, I got involved in church but uh, and, and I really wanted God to heal me and so I went to Pastor Ray and, uh, and I'd been prayed for and just nothing had happened. And then I went to him and he, he was just so honest and just so loving to me and said, Rob, my faith doesn't go that far at the moment. God may heal you in the future, but God can he- use you in your wheelchair just the way you are. And then I went to another healing rally in Geelong that was Steve Ryder at the time and Steve Ryder looked at me and said, you're going to be disappointed. Peter Wright? Be- Peter Wright? Was it Steve Wright? Steve Ryder. Yep. Yeah, he, he said to me the same. He said, God can use you just the way you are. So God using you, and I know you talked about Stuart Ray a second ago, and Stuart was someone, and we talked about him a few weeks ago, for those who uh, aren't aware, that Stuart Ray was a pastor here for 20 years and he passed away um, maybe three weeks ago and we had his celebration service here not long back. And he was a man of the word and uh, it was something that you shared with me as well, that uh, Stuart uh, and others really encouraged you uh, in the word of God and that's something that, uh, that you also live strongly by is uh, memorising scripture and uh, yeah, if you could talk through that and, and even Stuart's impact on you with the word of God. Well, uh, at his funeral, I don't know whether you knew who he was but he was a great man of God, he's a great teacher but for me, he was someone that was there. 
He was there when I need him, needed him. Every major event of my life, when I got married, he was there. When I had my accident, he was there. When I had children, he was there. And he had this quote once, and I was talking to him, and he said, the word of God does the work of God. And Mark asked me this morning, what, what did that mean? Well, to me, it's the word of God that does the work of God. And you'll know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and you'll go all through it and it said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And the psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Bible says, it says the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And Jesus is the living word. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. So I believe the Bible is the word of God. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even dividing asunder the soul and spirit and joints and marrow and as a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that's not made manifest in his sight, but all things are made open to, in the eyes of God. The word of God does the work of God. Powerful. Amen. So your grandkids, I think we've got a photo uh, with you and your lovely family. And you talked about uh, in your uh, time where things were tough and that God lifted you up. Uh, and you see now you've got uh, grandkids and they're a real blessing to you. Yep. Yeah, all, every single one of them. For a guy that's supposed to have been dead when he was 21... I am just such a blessed man. I've lived to see my children's children. And up in that photo, there's one of the little boys there. I don't know if we have noticed he had red hair, a little bit of red hair. Well, uh, there he is up there. His name's Xavier, the, just the one up behind me there. And we, was, we were at that kitchen table uh, one day when he was a couple of years younger and he knocked me in the nose. And I said, careful, Xavi, that's where Pop had his nose cut off. And he said, you had your nose cut off? And I said, yeah. And he said, how did you get your nose cut off? And I said, I had a motorbike accident. And he said, you had another motorbike accident? And I said, yeah. And I said, then I had another motorbike accident. Went, I went to the side of a car and I broke both arms at the same time. And then I had another motorbike accident and I broke my leg in another motorbike accident where I, my whole body was peeled and didn't have skin on it. And then he said to me, and you had another motorbike accident and you broke your back and you're in a wheelchair. And I said, yeah, Xavier. And here's this little boy, seven years of age, and he looks at me and says, said to me, didn't anybody give you lessons? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, out of the mouths of babes. So Rob, you know, we've got a lot of uh, people here tonight and we've got a lot of people even under 30. So what would you say to young Rob if you were seated here tonight? One of the worst things I ever did was, the Bible says, a fool despises the chastisement of his father. My father begged me after I hurt myself on a, on a motorbike the first time, Robert, 
you're hurting yourself. Stop it. Just give them up. I just would not give them up at all. And uh, I would say to you, honour your mother and your father. They know more than what you do. They, they really do. And if I had to listen to my mother and my father, I wouldn't have had half the heartache in my life as what I've had now. And, and I don't know about you, I was confused about salvation. I said the words, but I didn't realise that I was a lost sinner and I needed Jesus as my Lord and my Saviour. And you might be like, like that tonight too. For the first time in your life, you might think, yeah, I'm lost. I am a lost sinner. And that, if that's how you feel, Jesus came for the likes of you. Now, my verse that I love the most, one of the verses, and it applies to me, and it's in the Psalms, and it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He lifted me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and trust in the Lord. And that's what he did for me. I was in the pits, the absolute pits, despaired of even life itself. Now, I, I haven't admitted this and I haven't told this uh, to anybody before. I didn't say it this morning. But when I was in my 20s, Pilkingtons gave me a job in a wheelchair and this guy came up to me and he said, Rob, if I were you, I'd go and get a gun and shoot yourself. And then it hit me and then I went and there was a, on the board, there was a shotgun for sale. And momentarily, I really thought about taking my own life because I was in such a, a horrible pit at times trying to adjust and just trying to get through it and you might be here tonight and I don't know what you're going through because you can look at people and you don't really know what they're going through and when I was in hospital I didn't say this this morning either there was a girl called Sally Now Sally came from Geelong and Sally came to see me when I was in Ward 7 and Sally was an incomplete quadriplegic meaning that she'd broken her neck and parts of her body were paralysed. She could still walk around. And, uh, but, uh, and outwardly, she seemed to have it all together. And I came home and the neighbour who was a, a relative of hers knocked on the door and said, did you hear about Sally? I said, no. She said, Sally got a gun and killed herself. Well, that is absolutely broke me what Sally had done that she was in that utter pits and you might be here tonight and who knows what you're going through and Sally left a letter saying nobody loves me nobody cares for me I've got nothing to live for and I don't know what you're going through tonight I really don't but I'd really like to tell you that God loves you that he cares for you, that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to, to die on the cross for you. And you might be in that horrible pit 
And I'm just telling you, he's like the psalmist. What he did for me, lifted me up out of that horrible pit. He put me on a rock and he's put a new song in my mouth and he's given me a joy in my life that I never ever knew before. And that joy is possible for you tonight. Well, Rob, we just appreciate you so much sharing your story, your deep story from your life, uh, how God has shaped you, changed you, and now using you powerfully to testify of his goodness, uh, speaking words of truth through the scripture that is, is in your heart. And, and it's, it's blessed us tonight. It's encouraged us. It's also challenged us in uh, living with gratitude and thankfulness. But I'd love even for what you touched on there. And I might invite our worship team uh, to come forward. And I'd love for you to pray for us. Uh, and I know there's some scripture as well uh, from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 as well. If you could, uh, yeah, speak that and, uh, and, and just pray for, uh, for our church tonight. And pray for, for those even tonight, that maybe even with what you just spoke into, that maybe there's something that you're wanting, that God's wanting to touch and, uh, and really speak into their lives. That'd be great. Now, th- this verse of scripture gives real hope and you might look at me now and you think oh the poor bloke there he is in a wheelchair he's got to have a wee bag and so on but I've got hope and these verses speak of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ I don't know whether you know it we don't hear it much these days but Jesus is coming back And these verses it says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, those who have died. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even though those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For we deliver unto you by the word of God that we which are alive unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them, which are asleep. And the verse goes on and says, And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive shall be caught up together with him in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And it says in Corinthians, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall not all die, but we shall be changed in a moment of the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. We're going to have an incorruptible body. The Bible calls it the blessed hope, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray right now in the Name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would just speak to your heart, that Jesus would just walk among us. And if tonight, if you were hearing a still small voice, that is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And He wants to minister into your situation tonight. If you are down, if you are in despair, He can minister into your heart. He can bring healing into your heart, just like He did with me. He can lift you up out of that horrible pit and set you on a rock and put a new song in your mouth, even praise unto our God. So Lord Jesus, I pray for these dear people here tonight. Lord, You know every single heart. 
You know every single thought. You know what every life is going through. And I pray in the Name of Jesus that as You walk among us, as You walk up and down the aisles, that You would minister to each and every person here tonight. Lord, for those who need to be saved, Lord, open up their eyes to their need of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, The word of faith is nigh thee, even in your mouth, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. So Lord God, seal in the hearts of these dear ones tonight. Lord, reveal Your great love, how much You love them. In Jesus' Name, 